The great outdoors is a place of enjoyment, peace, and solitude. But at times, the outdoors experience goes dark. Increasingly, outdoors lovers are encountering criminal elements, psychos, dangerous wildlife, and strange weather occurrences. Our goal is to raise awareness by equipping you with cutting-edge information and to shine light into the dark outdoors. An enraged cacophony of growls, yells, and grunts broke the night's silence. With the steam of our breath cutting through the thick, cold air, my heart pounded while clutching my single-shot Sears 410 shotgun and standing behind my dad. We were rabbit hunting in a remote creek bottom on my aunt's property in Newton County, Texas, along the Texas-Louisiana border. And our only lights were the headlamps both he and I wore. With each passing moment, the noisemakers seemed more agitated as it increased the ferocity of its cries. The sounds were guttural and vile, and they pierced my 12-year-old soul. Although it is impossible to accurately describe these sounds, they still echo in my mind as I were standing behind Dad right now, wondering what we had gotten ourselves into. As the sounds continued and we eased back towards safety, Dad said something strange, quote, that must have been one of your uncle's bulls that got caught up in the fence down there. The problem was his cattle were in another fence pasture, and if it was a bull hung with the fence, why didn't we go help it? Later, Dad told me he thought it might be a black bear because at the time, black bears would occasionally move into Texas from Louisiana. That stuck with me for a while, until during my sophomore year in college, I worked at a wildlife sanctuary that had bears, and black bears made noises nowhere in the vicinity of what we heard that night. Many hunters, campers, hikers, and other outdoor lovers describe encountering terrifying noises in the woods. Some of them puzzled them their whole life. Others linked them directly to a particular animal. In this very special and unique episode, we're going to talk about what I encountered. We're going to talk about some wild encounters from other people. And we're going to go through known animal vocalizations that can scare you in the woods. And then we're going to go, at the very end of the program, deep into the unknown. One of the most often spoken about sounds that scare outdoors lovers is the scream of a mountain lion, also called a cougar, a puma, or a panther, maybe even a catamount in Canada. These animals make a wide range of vocalizations, and most of them are basically in the frequency of what you're going to hear in a house cat, except it's amped up really, really high. Now, the screaming sound is pretty intense. We're going to let you know what a screaming mountain lion sounds like right now. Another sound that can be quite frightening if you don't know what you're hearing is, of all things, an elk. Now, people in the western United States are used to hearing elk, but elk are being restored throughout the east. There are healthy populations now in Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, 
And so people are encountering elk in the woods and just hearing these vocalizations and not realizing what's going on. And if you hear what you're about to hear right now at night with no context, you might not know what you're running into. Increasing numbers, people across North America are going missing in the wild. Dark Outdoors is committed to shining light on this topic and raising awareness when public interest in these cases fades away. This episode's Missing in the Wild is the strange case of Ingrid Codling Lane. She's 37 years old, Caucasian, 5 feet 5 inches, and weighs 115 pounds. Ingrid was last seen on Sunday, October 15, 2023, north of Jemez Springs, New Mexico, on Forest Road 144, 11 miles north of Highway 126. Her black Subaru Impreza hatchback was found broken down and abandoned at the same location with a broken rear window. Ingrid was last seen wearing a gray fleece jacket, black jogger pants, and a gray knit hat. She was trying to day hike a nearby mountain. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts of Ingrid, please contact the National Park Service tip line at 505-709-0077. That's 505-709-0077. Reference the case number 23-001710. That's 23-001710. We are praying for the safe return of Ingrid Colleen Lane. This season's Missing in the Wild segment is brought to you by BAC Shows, incredible boat, sport, and RV shows taking place this year in Louisiana and in East Texas. Get more information at BACshows.com. That's BACshows.com. For years, my dad thought the animal we encountered in Newton County, Texas, might have been a black bear. That is, until I got to work around black bears, and he did too, and realized what we heard was definitely not a bear. But bears are vocal animals. They're not nearly as vocal as, say, an elk or even a mountain lion, but do vocalize. And we're going to play a sound that is kind of a growl and kind of a low growl of a black bear. Now, if you heard that in the woods, it would scare you halfway to death. And hey, it's a bear. I totally get it. But what we heard was definitely something different. And one of the things people need to understand is what's in the woods in America isn't always going to be found in a field guide. There are lots of exotic animals out there. 
And that's one reason we're raising awareness with this particular program. Pray, prepare, and pack heat. It's time for some dark outdoors defense strategies and techniques. There are all kinds of firearms options for defense out there. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of different options that I use in my wild excursions. But something that I always have on my side is a double action revolver. And the reason is I've never had one fail. And I have had an automatic fail. I was once on a deer lease of mine and had a feral pit bull charge at me. And I shot at the pit bull and hit right in front of it. It was about 40 yards out when it came at me. And I immediately drew down, shot, hit right in front of it. And it stopped and walked back, thank God. But my gun jammed. And that got me to thinking, you know what? I might need to have a revolver on me. I also have a semi-automatic in my pack as well. And if I can, a long rifle where I'm going. But I'm telling you right now, a revolver is a great thing to have, like maybe in your car for defense when you're going into some of these places, but also carry one on your side. I'm telling you, especially if you're someone not real adept at messing with like semi-automatic firearms, um, I carry a 357 or a 45 long Colt double action. What that means, if you don't know, that I can either pull the hammer back or I can just pull the trigger. Very, very important, simple tip. But I'm telling you, a good double-action revolver would keep you out of trouble. When I was in college, I heard a really scary story from South Texas. I was bow hunting near the town of Moore, south of San Antonio. And I heard that just about 30 minutes from where I was at, a hunter was in a blind early in the morning. It was in December, and it was cold and quiet. As he waited for the daylight to break, he heard this terrifying scream. And the scream kept getting closer and closer, and closer. And then he's in this blind, and he feels something hit the blind. And then all of a sudden, he sees a small, furry hand reach into the blind. And then a face looks at him. He almost died. What he encountered was a Japanese macaque. Near the town of Dilly, Texas, there are free-ranging Japanese macaques. These are pretty large monkeys. And they're tied to a facility and escapes and all kind of stuff. But they are down there. They're proven. There's been a lot of legal history over it. And they're really, really interesting story. But when you're thinking about things that are in America, you don't think about macaques and vocalizations you might hear. So check this sound out of Japanese macaques. <laughs> would send chills down anyone's spine, especially if it's followed up by a hairy hand reaching into your deer blind. Also, when I was in college, I had the incredible opportunity to go peacock bass and payata fishing in Venezuela. I was so excited to see the wildlife down there. And the funny thing is, the first animal I actually saw in Venezuela was a white-tailed deer. Kid you not, I can see them in my home of Orange, Texas, and here's a white-tailed deer. But... I heard howler monkeys, and this plays into something that happened just about eight months later. Check out what a howler monkey sounds like, and think about if you didn't know howler monkeys existed and you heard this.
found myself on the in, I found myself me and my dad did an investigation of some unusual activity at a place in Polk County, Texas, and I can give you the date, August the 20th of 2000. Uh, we were with our friend Bobby Hamilton, and it had been a long night as we sat between a creek bottom and pine thicket. Other than a few faint moans heard in the distance, the venture was uneventful. That is until about 4 a.m. That's when a low grunt sounded from a thicket 40 yards to our west. A chill ran down my spine as memories of me and Dad's encounter 15 years earlier came back. We literally said at almost the same time, this is what we heard at his sister Ann's property in Newton County. The tone was the same, and so was the vibe, which was extremely, extremely creepy. It started with low-volume grunts and then worked itself into a yelling frenzy until it let out a high-pitched roar that can only be described as terrifying. After foaming through our backpacks, we flooded the woods with a powerful beacon of a million candle Q-beam, and the noisemaker retreated. Although it approached silently, it left cracking brush and snapping branches along the way, almost as if it wanted us to know it was gone. And this is where the howler monkey comes back into play. Like I said, I had been in Venezuela like eight months earlier, and the closest sound that I'd ever heard to this was a howler monkey. It was different, but some of the tone was very similar. And I kept thinking, whatever I'm listening to sounds like some kind of primate. I heard this in two different locations over about a 15-year span. Interestingly, the howler monkey that I messed with in one of these coves on Lake Guri in Venezuela when I growled back at it, it would growl back. It was the same exact pattern. On the third growl that I gave, it went into a frenzy, and then it left, and when it left, it was breaking branches in the tree as it left. It sounded almost like a howler monkey on steroids, and I mean a lot of them. It was wild. It was crazy. It made me think a lot of things. And now I look back and think about all the reports people tell me of strange vocalizations is why I put this show together, to talk about these terrifying things we hear sometimes in the dark outdoors. We're going to talk about something very unusual called the Sierra Sounds with Ron Moorhead. And these were recorded in the 1970s in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And these things are pretty wild and sound almost exactly like what we heard that night. It seems there's some kind of a primate link here. And uh, over the years, I've gotten a number of people contact me about strange sounds that terrified them in the woods. And actually recently, I had someone text me a audio they recorded on the way to their deer blind that made them want to return and go back home. Some vocalizations they heard and some strange noises and stuff like that. And hey, the dark can be creepy. The woods can be sometimes creepy. And then when you hear something that you think's not supposed to be there. And, you know, when I was in college, I heard uh, this really cool cassette tape. And it was related to the Sierra sounds. And my guest on today's program, a real honor for me, is the author of Voices in the Wilderness, uh, a true story. And the man linked, most linked to the Sierra sound, Mr. Ron Moorhead. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Chester. I appreciate it. For a lot of people, this mysterious side of nature may start with something else, like hearing something that's, that scares them or that makes them question what they heard in the woods. 
Well, your imagination can run away with you too when you don't know what it is. Exactly. The thing yeah. we got to fear is fear itself, you know. <laughs> exactly. So back in 1971, um, you went out with someone, a friend of yours, to kind of check on some friends of yours at a hunting camp because you heard some weird stories. Well, what we heard was the vocalizations, which we ended up recording. And uh, mm -hmm. we heard other things, too, that we didn't talk about much, except to our family. Yep. That's, that's things that uh, didn't make sense to us, you know, how... We could think that a camp was being tore apart out there while it was inside the shelter and all our stuff was being dragged around. And you look out there after it's all over with and there's nothing been changed. Well, that's a little weird. And there's a lot of weird things. Like that's just one weird thing. There's several weird things went on up there, which uh, we just didn't know what to do with. Because Al Berry, the investigative reporter that we took in there in 1972, mm -hmm. <clears throat> he had a master's degree in science. And he said, do you mm -hmm. don't talk about this stuff. He says, this is crazy stuff. Well, let's talk about the trail you took in. I mean, this isn't like someone just pulls over and walks 150 yards into the woods somewhere. <laughs> right. Uh, it takes a little time to get there. It's very taxing, mm -hmm. very taxing. It's mm -hmm. it's 8,400 feet in elevation, the camp is, and it's, uh, it's about eight miles into the wilderness. And uh, I thought I was in shape when, when mm -hmm. Donald took me up there to check on the other guys, but I wasn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. When you get that altitude, I left the valley floor, San Joaquin Valley floor, which is a little over 100 feet, 150 feet, something like that. And we just, uh, man, it gets your lungs, you know. We learned, uh, I learned, you want to go up there the day before and acclimate yourself, acclimate mm -hmm. yourself to the to the altitude a little bit. What was the first thing you heard? What was what was it like? What was the first type vocalization you heard when you were there? Do you remember the very first thing to like, oh, there's something out there? Well, I kind of knew there was something out there from the yeah. stories I've been hearing from these guys. They're all credible people, you know, business guys and mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. guys that are serious and they're hunters. And when they just tell me the stuff that went on, then when I went up there and they started going on with me, I just, uh, I, I can't tell you the exact sound I heard because we were just, uh, mm -hmm. you hear it all the time. And But it was uh, a little concerning. We all had yeah. high fired guns, though, weren't afraid mm -hmm. like that because we thought our okay. guns could, could protect mm -hmm. us, which mm -hmm. I'm not so sure they would have. It was, so you're uh, sitting out there and it sounds like, um, does it sound like they're right on top of you? Well, we're sitting inside the shelter. That's when uh -huh. they come around, close the door, which was just a big log we held between two two big trees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they were walking around us, and they were, uh, yeah, they would. As soon as you open that log door, though, to try to get out there, they everything would stop, and they'd just mm -hmm. be somewhere else. If they mm -hmm. was going to come around that night or not, we left out food for them, and uh, they'd come in and take the food and hear them smacking, you know, and beating mm -hmm. on their chest. And, Pretty aggressive sounding in 71, 72. And uh, then in 74, when we was up there, me and my friend Bill, uh, we we packed supplies in with the horses and mules, just the two of us. And, mm -hmm. and they started interacting with us while we were outside the shelter, which was really unique. We heard the wood cracking and whooping sounds. And I pulled my tape recorder and a little cassette recorder. That's all we had then. And uh, yeah. pulled it out of my saddlebag and turned it on and got some of the recordings that I presented in my second CD. Uh, my interaction with them. But I started yelling back at them when they came in closer. And uh, they mm -hmm. will, if you, if you ignore them, I found out, we found out if you just ignore them, keep doing what you're doing, they don't think they got your attention. They're coming a little closer <laughs> to some different stuff. So mm -hmm. that, was, that was what we kind of thought we learned anyway. 
But, uh, so you yeah, saw that, kind of a progression, yeah, and and that's and that always interested me because of the diverse amount of vocalizations that you recorded. I mean, you had um, sounds that almost sound like maybe some kind of communications, a whoop type sound, uh, you know, these whooping sounds, and oh. uh, then you had the real guttural like growling stuff, and then you had sounds that sounded like chatter. So let's talk about some of the different sounds that you that you did here. Was it a case of certain years you heard more s- specific sound or they unveiled new ones every once in a while? Or was it like they were kind of doing all of this all the time? Good question. No, the oh. first two years were the aggressive, the girl, okay. broader, growl, sound of the chest beating, the yeah, sound like you know, the chattering real rapidly, mm-hmm. like they were arguing uh-huh. about us or something. I don't mm-hmm. know what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 74 till the whooping sounds we were hearing. You know, you yeah, might okay. hear them occasionally before, but it was owls up there too. We think maybe it was an owl. Didn't think much of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things were talking though when they come around our shelter, talking to each mm-hmm. other. We found out later that's actually a, a feature they have, an attribute they have. They, the and, you, and you had someone a linguist like this. <clears throat> More than that, we had an electrical engineer uh, mm-hmm. actually analyze the tapes. He spent a whole year making mm-hmm. sure that they weren't sped up. They weren't slowed mm-hmm. down they weren't uh, there's no 60 cycle hum in them he's an electrical engineer from the university of wyoming uh, dr professor mm-hmm. curlin mm-hmm. and he uh he said that uh, you know whatever made these sounds at least this one part that he decided to look at there too was was uh, represented uh compared to humans uh something eight foot tall well that kind of puts it and that plus the, the graphs he showed us uh, in his book that he wrote about this uh showed that their vocal range went out of our out of our out of our range which is mm-hmm. sort of box where our human range is mm-hmm. and then a box where these sounds were and there was above inside and below what we can do wow and, uh, we've had other professionals look at them since then too and they they say the same thing humans can't do that They're the crypto linguist is what really gave it another bump and by the way dr curlin presented this to the anthropology of unknown seminar in british mm-hmm. columbia in 1970 eight i think it was mm-hmm. and uh, that was put out in a book his paper was posted in a book uh, anthropology unknown uh, ubc bureau press 1980s when they published it and uh mm-hmm. but the crypto linguist didn't get it and he didn't hear about it till accident and that was in uh, 2008 i think it was mm-hmm. and he heard it and uh, he was trained by the navy as a crypto linguist to decipher not decipher but to hear communications mm-hmm. coming through or going out or whatever uh, see if it was a, a human language or code or if there's any deception going on and yeah he spent uh, years and years doing this and thousands of hours on there what he calls the cans like the headset you got on there mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just listening and uh so he he came out and interviewed me and i'll bury both and uh, i don't know if he could study him for a while so we gave him to him and he he came back with saying they have a language by the human definition of language. And that means <clears throat> that means they're talking like you and I are talking now, except in their own mm-hmm. in their own complex language, whatever it is. He only transcribed it. That's all he could do. He couldn't tell you what they were actually saying. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, so anyway, that was a pretty good thing. But then all of a sudden, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we still to get still couldn't get ac- academia aboard with this thing because uh, just too strange because <clears throat> humans are only supposed to be able to ones that talk, right? Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he said these things are talking, and that's not supposed to be. In fact, Dr. Philip Lieberman at Brown University, who 
passed away last year. He said that uh, only humans have that. And he was a cognitive researcher. And mm -hmm. he, uh, he, he said only humans can talk. They have the vocal mechanism for speech, which goes a hyoid going to the nervous system, the tongue, and all the way up to the brain. So you can say what you're thinking. You can mm -hmm. say what you're seeing. Every animal has communication, but only humans are supposed to have a sapient language like that. And these things have that. One of the things I, I want to really ask you, because you have a unique viewpoint on what this, the origins of this might be, you know, and you were in a very remote location. When people hear these kind of things or preacher, do you think there is a potential for danger? There's a potential, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you think positive, I mean, you're always good if you can control your fear. And so many people... Uh, can't don't do that especially when it's something unknown and i understand that because sure. although uh, i didn't have the fear up there like most people think i should have had but we i was yeah. with these other guys who hadn't been eaten yet or taken off or sleep like nothing's happened to them you know yeah sure and we all had you know, you know big guns and so we're ready to protect ourselves or one of the others that had they came through the shelter at us mm -hmm. but they didn't the main point of this particular episode is talk about that fear element but also the fact Ron, that people who hear strange things in the woods aren't crazy, that there are strange things people do hear. And I want people to know if you're listening to this, I've heard weird stuff. He's recorded and verified a lot of this for us out there and, and his other friends that are out there doing this. And just kind of give your perspective on that, like that, you know, it's OK to say maybe you you encountered something you didn't understand. Well, we did. I mean, we didn't yep. understand it. That's what I spent my lifetime doing now for 50 yep. years researching yep. this all over the world. As you can see from this program, there are lots of factors in the mysterious noises we hear in the woods. Some of them are quite, you know, average animals that have above average vocalizations. Some of them are exotic animals introduced and others, we honestly don't know what they are. If you want to know more about the Sierra sounds, they're all over YouTube. If you want to learn more about Ron Moorhead's research, go to ronmoorhead.com. And it's a fascinating topic. If you have recorded strange vocalizations of any kind, you can email me at chester at chestermore.com. That's chester at chestermore.com. I would love to check those out. When you consider the amount of exotics in America, you never know what you're going to hear out there. But then there's the really mysterious, really spooky stuff. And that's what made this episode so very interesting. Whether you're intrigued by Ron Moorhead's story or my story of strange encounters in Newton and Polk County, Texas, or the crazy monkey vocalizations, or just stuff like the mountain lion that people really don't ever hear them doing but hear stories about. We hope this educated you, inspired you, and maybe you want to probe into the mystery a little bit. And more of a fun episode of Dark Outdoors. This isn't a true crime episode, but it's one that's kind of scary. Because when you hear these sounds in the middle of the night and don't know what they are, I don't care who you are, chills are probably going to run down your spine. If you would like to share your dark outdoor story, email chester at chestermore.com. If you would like a PDF file of my personal survival tips, put survival in the subject line. Read my wildlife writings and follow my Higher Calling Wildlife and Higher Calling Gulf Coast podcast at highercalling.net. Remember, Never enter the wild without prayer and preparation.